0: Welcome, Iowa Cubs fans, to Unwritten Rules in Iowa Cubs podcast. My name is Nick Long, making my podcast debut here. Uh, today, uh, we have a great guest, an Iowa native and uh, former Iowa Cub. Uh, he's currently an analyst on the Marquee Sports Network. Uh, we have Ryan Sweeney. Ryan, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Of course, yeah. So, um, I, I kind of want to start with, um, you know, and we'll work backwards, but, uh, uh, where you're at currently, uh, you're currently on, on the marquee sports network, um, obviously spent some time with the Cubs, um, and, and, and in addition to some other teams, but how did that, uh, how did that kind of come to be, uh, you know, you being on TV and, and getting into that, uh, that kind of role?
1: Um, well, the TV thing, you know, when I was done playing, I ended up, uh, going and working for another buddy um ATI physical therapy actually. Um who used to be this a sponsor of the Cubs, but um did some sales and marketing stuff with them, but ultimately wanted to get back into baseball at some capacity, but not necessarily coaching. I still did some lessons and stuff like that. But um didn't really necessarily want to have the day to day as far as um going to the field and um you know being gone all the time with having two um young boys. So um I played golf with uh ryan dempster in the offseason season a couple times and uh you know the, had heard that marquee was starting this new network and always felt like i wanted to not necessarily be an analyst but uh you know get involved at some capacity with radio or or tv or whatever it might be and i had done a few things with um, trying out for, uh, Comcast and stuff like that before I was done playing, but then I ended up going with the twins. So I didn't know if I was done playing yet. So just nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm. But when Dempster said he was going to be, uh, getting involved with marquee network, I said, Hey, you know, throw my name in there. I would love to come down and, uh, you know, see what it, see what I can do and, and maybe get an interview with those guys or something. So he did. And, um, they ended up calling me. I just, went in and they said, Hey, let's get you in front of the camera a couple of times and went in on like a, you know, Friday or whatever. And they called me on Monday or Tuesday. And like, Hey, we would love for you to do some stuff. And, um, it just so happens. I mean, obviously this whole pandemic has been kind of weird and just with everything going on, but it's actually, um, the bright side of it for me, I would say has been that, you know, they haven't been able to fly people in. They're going to start, but they haven't been able to fly people in as much. So it was kind of me, Dempster, and Sean Marshall, and still kind of on rotation. Um, so it's allowed me to get more games in than maybe I probably would have if other people would have came in. So um, getting that experience under my belt and, uh, you know, everybody at the marquee is awesome. And I, I just really enjoyed it and hopefully can continue to do it for many years.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh you obviously mentioned you have, you know, two young boys now. Um, you know, living in the Chicago area. How how does uh, you know, being a TV personality, how do, how does that kind of day-to-day differ from, you know, what it was like, uh, you know, being a professional ball player?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a lot of uh it's almost like being a stay-at-home dad right now, you know. I got both of my kids are starting sports. Um, the one starting baseball. So we're, we're super busy with that and soccer and basketball and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, we just, we, we moved out here in 2013 out in Naperville. Um, when I was with the Cubs, we were having our, our first kid and, um, not necessarily didn't want to live in Iowa anymore, but my wife's from California. So we decided to, to move to Chicago and just have kind of stayed and it's been uh, a great, uh, Great time out here. It's just kind of been a transition, you know, of, it was, it was nice when I was done or when I was playing for the Cubs to be able to, it was almost like, you know, a normal job. Usually when you leave, you leave for the whole season. Well, now I'm staying at home and able to kind of play all these day games and go in, go to the field and then come home and be at home for dinner. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like almost like, oh man, we got, hey, see <laughs> Just trying to in here, but um, no. So it's just you know, almost like being Mr. Dad, staying home, staying at home and being with these guys, and um, you know, just having a good time raising these kids.
0: Yeah, sure, that's great. Uh, that's a, a nice a nice segue for us there. Um, kind of uh, let's go back a little bit to uh, you know, you, you grew up in Cedar Rapids. Um, you, you're a, a fellow uh, Cedar Rapids Xavier alum, uh, as, as myself. Uh, One of us, I believe, is in the Hall of Fame, um, and I think people can kind of guess who that is, Um, but, uh, you know, uh, at a high school, you were initially committed to play for San Diego State, and, uh, you know, the late, great Tony Gwynn was the coach at the time. Um, What kind of went into that decision? What was that recruiting process like uh, with Tony, um, you know, and and what ultimately went into that decision? Yeah, so... You know, growing
1: up in Iowa and and having to travel a lot to kind of be seen um, as far as getting recruited and things like that, um, I knew if I wanted to play, and if I was going to play in college, I wanted to play somewhere warm, right, and a better place to do it than San Diego. Um, I was actually Tony Gwynn's um, first recruit um, when he ended up going from, I think he was doing ESPN analyst, something like that. And then going over and being, uh, the head coach of San Diego state. Um, and he, he actually flew to Cedar Rapids to my house. And I mean, that was a cool experience. And I kind of already had in my back of my mind, I had taken other trips to, um, LSU and Arizona and different places, but kind of already had in the back of my mind, like, Hey, what better place to go, learn from the greatest hitter if I'm gonna to go to college than Tony Gwynn. And um I was gonna pitch as well. So and they had a um left or a pitching coach, uh left-handed pitching coach Rusty Filter that was actually there at the time as well. So I felt what better place to go to than learn from Tony Gwynn and a left-handed pitching coach and be able to do both in San Diego. So that's kind of how I came to choose came to choosing that, but I always ultimately um, and this is different for different kids, but I ultimately um, had enough confidence in myself that I wanted to try to get drafted and, and play because I always knew that I had the college in my contract if I needed to go back. So, um, you know, had that in my mind where I wanted to sign and and possibly not get hurt going to college, right, and be able to go um, playing the pros and then hopefully in three or four years or whatever it was when I would be coming out of college, it would, since I came out of high school, that I would already be, you know, kind of establishing myself in the big leagues, which um, I kind of was at 21. So it ended up, it ended up working out.
0: Great. Yeah. Uh, it kind of leads into my, my next question. You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but uh, you ultimately were drafted in the second round by the White Sox, um, you know, and, and opted to, uh, you know, to sign and and go ahead with your, your pro career. Uh, you mentioned the injuries, um, you know, what else kind of went into that decision? Was there, you know, a threshold if you had, you know, maybe gotten taken later in the draft, um, you know, that, that, you know, maybe that would have made that decision a little bit harder or, uh, was that decision kind of made at that point?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, like, um,
0: draft day for
1: me, like it was supposed to be an exciting time. Um, But it it almost kind of wasn't because I I, I thought I was supposed to, I mean, I was supposed to go in the first round. So I kind of had my mind set on that and I didn't know who I was going to go to. We had a draft is kind of weird where we had different people calling and, you know, hey, will you take this? Will you take that? Well, something had got out where somebody thought that I wanted too much money or something like that, which wasn't the case, but that's what they said ultimately why I didn't go in the first round. But um so it was kind of disappointing with me, to be honest with you, to, to go in the second round. So I kind of thought at that point that um, I w- I was going to go to college, um, but in after negotiating with um, my agent and the White Sox and stuff like that, um, there was something where you uh, it was called considered a dual athlete or something like that, so they could split my contract up over five years, which I did, which ultimately saved me in taxes wise and stuff like that too, but. Um, which allowed me to get more money kind of like in the spot, I think for 51st or 52nd overall or whatever. Um, um, so it ended up just, it, it just worked out. I mean, uh, and being able to go to the White Sox, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, my grandparents and, uh, not necessarily my parents, but cause I was a, a Braves fan growing up being a pitcher in TBS and stuff like that. But my, uh, grandparents were huge Cubs fans. so. Um, you know, when I got drafted, they were definitely excited for me. But they were like, "We'll cheer for, we'll cheer for you, but we're not going to cheer for the White Sox." <laughs> <laughs> sure. This one of those things where it was kind of cool to be able to, uh, out of the couple Midwest teams, to get drafted by one of
0: them. Great, yeah. And obviously, eventually, the, I'm sure your grandparents were more than happy to to see you wearing that uh, the Cubby pinstripes uh, later in, in your career. So that's great. Um, yeah, I did have that, that question, you know, especially the NFL draft was, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, you kind of hear from those guys, uh, you know, going through the process that, um, you know, uh, for a lot of guys, there's certain teams that you just kind of click with or, you know, you, that you kind of fit their system. Um, so when their kind of pick comes around, you have a, a good idea whether they're going to take you or not. Was that kind of the thought with the White Sox? Were there teams that you thought maybe, uh, you know, would have taken you earlier? I know you mentioned that, there, you know, this this – you know thought had gotten around that you were, you know, hesitant to sign. Um but but you know did did you know going in that maybe the White Sox was going to be an option uh, in addition to some other teams?
1: Um I mean I knew that they had scouted, be, scouted me, but um I felt my, my like my situation was a little different cuz to be honest with you, I thought I was going to get drafted as a pitcher and like I thought I was going to be a pitcher so I I don't I think baseball's different in the fact that yeah, you can see um you know, what, what positions are needed on certain teams, but ultimately you got to go and develop and perform in the minor leagues. Right. So um, it was kind of one of those things where I thought I was going to be a pitcher. So when they drafted me as an outfielder and put slash pitcher in my contract, but then they never let me pitch. It was kind of Mm -hmm. eye opening to me um, to see that happen. And I always wonder what would have happened if I would have been able, been able to, you know, be a left-handed pitcher. Um, but you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So, um, it ended up working out, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see how all this and the drafts changed so much since I, um, even got drafted that, uh, you know, it's, it, you almost want to, you have certain teams that you want to go play for, but, um, for me, I felt like it was what team can I go to? where I can develop the quickest to try to get to the big leagues where you can get an opportunity. Right. So um, ultimately um, me getting traded to um, Oakland was probably the best thing for my career. Cause I mean, you know, some place it's right place, right time. And at certain um, points in your career, it's if someone's in front of you and signs a long-term deal, it's just kind of tough. So to be able to get traded and um, Kenny Williams, You know, sending me over to Oakland was the best thing that happened in my career to be able to play for a young team and be able to um, establish yourself in the big leagues and take advantage of that opportunity
0: and play every day. Sure. Yeah. Uh, We'll get into uh, your time with Oakland here in a little bit. I have a specific question uh, for that. But, um, you know, sticking sticking with you as a high schooler, as an 18-year-old, high schoolers in Iowa are a little bit unique in that they play – you know, their high school baseball in the summer, uh, and, w- and when the draft goes down, um, you know, your season w- had just really gotten underway. Um, you ultimately had to make that decision to, to either stay and finish out your high school career or, or, or go pro. You know, you ultimately, uh, you know, went, went pro. You know, how tough was that decision? Um, you know, and what goes into that? You know, obviously we've talked about, you know, why you made the decision you did, but, um, you know, what kind of position does that put high schoolers in that that they have to make that decision at at such a young age? Yeah, it's
1: tough. I mean, uh, for Iowa, you almost have to have your good season, your junior year, right? Because you already, if you're going to get drafted or, um, whatnot, they don't really get to see you play your senior year because it's in the summertime and the draft's in June. So you almost have to have your good year, your junior year. But, um, I got drafted and then I ultimately, I signed pretty late because we were kind of negotiating and weren't coming to agreement on it. So I ultimately, instead of sitting out and saying, Hey, I don't want to get hurt. I said, I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to show these guys that I want to play and I'm going to, I'm going to still play in my high school season. So I ultimately played, you know, maybe a month or a couple of weeks or whatever it ended up being um, of my senior year to kind of just keep staying in shape. And then, Uh, you know, after that was over and I ended up signing. Then I got shipped off to you know Bristol, Virginia to go play rookie ball, which is uh, definitely an eye opener. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough as an 18-year-old kid, you know. You don't – I mean, you have no idea uh, uh, what it's going to be like going out on your own or even going – college is adjustment, let alone, you know, going to uh, a minor league system where you have no clue, where you haven't been away from home. You know before your mom's been doing your laundry the whole time she's been waking you up in the morning and now you're on your own doing your own thing and um and you kind of get you know a bunch of this money and you're like what do i do with it and you got to have the right people around you and surrounding you to kind of uh give you advice and uh, you know ask people uh that have done it before
0: sure yeah i mean it kind of leads me to you know my next question being an 18 year old Uh, like you said, you're kind of on your own. What what was that process from the time that you signed to, um, you you know, when you're you're a professional baseball player? How quick does that happen? Um, You know, when are you expected to kind of report? What kind of resources, you know, is the organization giving you? Um, You know, and and what's that like? What's that experience like on a personal level? Yeah, so, I mean, I
1: I probably pretty much leaned on my agent just to know, like, when I needed to leave and what needed to happen and, um ultimately like I said when I signed I had signed later on in the year so it was already like halfway through um the rookie ball season so um and at that point you know they had I think they probably still do but like instructional league and all these different leagues like after you get done um playing the season right so I ultimately went to Rookie ball for a couple weeks, and then that season was over. And then they had sent me to Great Falls, Montana, which was the high um, rookie ball because they were going to make the playoffs or go or try to make the playoffs. Um, so I went there for a couple weeks, and then ultimately went to um, play out in Arizona for instructional league. Um, after that, so yeah, it's just an adjustment, and you know, like I said, I was in a unique situation because I didn't sign right away, so I didn't. They didn't expect me to ship off right away. It was just kind of one of those things where, but once you do sign, they're like, hey, you need to be here in the next couple of days or what, whatnot. So um, they want to get you going and get you playing and get you into the system um, and get you doing, you know, their workouts and their different things. Because I was, like I said, I was supposed to get drafted as a pitcher um, I had never really lifted uh, a lot of weights in high school. I did a little bit, but I was always pretty tall and skinny. And then, you know, they get you on a weight program and this and that in my first off season, um, put on, you know, 15, 20 pounds to, um, be a hitter and an outfielder. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a unique situation and and people can give you advice and do whatever you do, but ultimately you just go through it yourself and you figure it out.
0: Sure. Yeah, we, we have a unique perspective here in Des Moines, you know, being a A team. Uh, it's not quite the majors, but, uh, you know, we see a lot of those guys that are either on their way up or, you know, are, are trying to fight their way back up. What's that mentality when you're, when you're going through the minor league system like that? Is it just strictly do what I need to do to get to the next level um, and, and ultimately get to, you know, get to the show? Or, um, you know, are there specific things that you're asked to work on? I know some leagues are hitters' leagues, some leagues are pitchers' leagues. You know, what's, what's that like being a, a minor league guy, um, you know, especially as a young guy trying to, trying to you know, get to that next step? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: you're always working on something and you're always trying to get better, right? Um,
0: but for me, it
1: was just like we, we had a funny saying that, you know, if someone was complaining or whatever, and we always just say, like, if you don't like it, play better, right? Because, like, you got to play better to yeah. get to the next um, <laughs> Um, it was one of those things where if you're going to hit, if you're going to hit at every level that there's, they can't keep you down. So, um, I was fortunate enough to where I moved up fairly quickly. I only spent, um, you know, I never had to repeat a level and I skipped low a and just went, um, high A, double a triple a big leagues. So I was fortunate enough to where I didn't have to deal with a whole lot of the minor leagues. Some guys, you know, have to repeat levels and, um, it's tough and mentally draining. I mean, we. But you see, you see a lot of guys. I mean, you just gotta keep working. I mean, um, you see uh, the guy like Nance, the the reliever that threw last night. I mean, coming out of independent ball, he's thirty years old, and now he's pitching in the big leagues. Or you know, guys that um, I feel like AAA is a, a a mixture. At least when I was there, and I'm sure it still is now. But I feel like it's a mixture where. Certain guys can skip AAA and go right from AA to the big leagues. Um, AAA is more of a, of a veterans league, I kind of I kind of equate it to. Like, you had guys that maybe had played in the big leagues before and were kind of at the end of their career, and now they're kind of mentoring um, younger guys or younger guys that are um, big prospects that are coming up that are kind of learning how to... Um, you know face guys that have been there before and know what they're doing and pitchers that have a plan and kind of go up there and it's not just dudes throwing, you know, 97 and not knowing where it's going. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh you develop at every single level and you just want to keep getting better and better and ultimately uh like I said, it's right place, right time, but ultimately if you play well or pitch well, you're going to hopefully move to the next level if they if they see you can do it. And I uh And it's all about working hard, too, because I played with a lot of guys that – in opportunity, I should say, because I played with a lot of guys that were better than some dudes that I played with in the big leagues but just didn't get an opportunity to move to that next level and then maybe got tired of it and just kind of phased himself out and quit, you know.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, coming up, you had a, a relatively quick rise through the, through the minors and, and made your uh, major league de- debut at 21. Um, you know as as the number one prospect in the White Sox organization. Um, you know a young guy going through the the minors, um, and then you spent some time here in Iowa briefly. Uh, you know almost almost a decade later, really uh, before getting the call back up to Chicago. Um, just just on a personal level, is that you know you, you talked about. Um, you know the young guys coming up, and then you know some of the older guys maybe as a, more of a mentor relationship. Is that kind of how you approach things, or uh, you know was your attitude different from you know when when you were that young prospect versus when you were when you were the veteran coming back down, uh, trying trying to make your way back up?
1: Yeah, it was a little different because you know when you're when you're 20 or 21 when I was in AAA and, and you don't know any different, like you don't you haven't been to the big leagues yet or you haven't got that taste of that big leagues and know and know what it's like um, you're still, I mean, you're still grinding and you're still, you know, trying to get up there. Well, so five or six years later, um, what had happened with me was, is I went to spring training with, um, the Red Sox. They ended up not ultimately not picking up my contract. And since I had, they had not picked up my contract so late, kind of teams' rosters had already been set. So I really couldn't go to another team. If I went somewhere, I had to go to AAA like I did with um, the Cubs to kind of play for a couple of weeks because I had I had sat out for like a week or two um, with them not picking up my contract and being released or whatever it was. So um, so I ultimately had to go to to AAA and and I was cool with that. But it was one of those things where and I enjoyed my time in Iowa, it was one of those things where I was like. All right, I'm going to come down here. I know I don't belong here. I'm going to rake for two weeks and then I'm going to get back up. So for me, it was one of those things where, yeah, like if there was a young kid and like um, I had any advice or I could help somebody out hitting or whatever it was, I, I was happy to do that. But it was one of those things where I was trying to get back as quickly as I, I could and kind of reestablish, um, you know, my career. Um and and that offseason, actually, I had done a lot of work with uh, Rod Carew and kind of changed my swing a little bit, and ended up hitting a few more home runs uh, with the Iowa Cubs, and then ultimately going up with the big league team and um, playing with them. So when they had signed me over, they were looking for, uh, which I was earlier on in my career, and then kind of got put in the platoon backup role my last year in Oakland. But they were looking for a guy that could hit both lefties and righties, and I always could hit lefties and righties, but you know when you're not playing every single day and you come in and face a lefty and you don't get a hit off of them, your numbers aren't that great. So um, I ultimately hit well off of lefties and righties um, when I was with the Iowa um, Cubs. Still came up and um, like I say, right place, right time, and I'm still good buddies with him. But DeJesus got hurt and just opened up an auto- opportunity for me to play in the outfield, and then and then I ended up breaking a rib or whatever. So um, you know, it, it was a fun time, and I'm very glad that I had other teams that I could pick from, but um, that it ended up being the Cubs that I ultimately um, got the opportunity with and got to play for with them for a couple of years.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, had had you been through Des Moines as a visiting player before, uh, before that uh, brief stint here with the I-Cubs, or was this kind of the first uh, time that you'd been through your home state? That
1: was the first time I'd been there. I When I was coming up, uh, with the White Sox, everything was on the East Coast, so um, I played in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we didn't play the Iowa Cubs. So um, yeah, that was my first time coming back um, in April in the Midwest. Um, so it was that de- it was definitely interesting. It was it was funny because a lot of the guys were like, "Hey, you're from Iowa. You should be wor- used to this weather." Because it was still. I remember. I just remember the first couple weeks of that season being so cold and rainy and like snowy you guys are like, you're from Iowa. I'm like, yeah, but we just came from freaking Arizona and I haven't been back here, you know, in the spring in you know, 10 years. So, um, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a fun time though. And there were some good guys that were there while I was down there.
0: Okay, great. Um, yeah, we're actually kind of an, as an aside, we, we, uh, um, this off season, uh, switched leagues. So we're actually in the same league as the the White Sox affiliate now in, in Charlotte. So, uh, we're, we're hoping in, uh, in future years, non-COVID times, that, that we can, um, you know, get out there to Charlotte and they can come here. Um, but uh, for this year, we're, we're only playing within our division, uh, so uh, places that are drivable. So that's kind of exciting, though. A lot of the NL Central affiliates are, are with us uh, in this league. So that'll be a good, good thing for us moving forward. So um, so you, you played for four teams, uh, by my count, uh, throughout your, your pro career, uh, drafted by the White Sox, obviously made your debut in 06. You mentioned you were traded to the A's, you spent a few years with them, spent a year with the Red Sox, um, and then ultimately finished it up with the Cubs. Um, you were traded a couple times in there uh, from from the White Sox to the A's, and then from the A's to the Red Sox. What, what's that like um, when you get that that word that, that you've been traded, and in, in, um, is it something that you kind of know is coming, um, or is it uh, you know something that you hope doesn't happen? Um, I know when you said you got traded to the A's, that, that was actually the best thing that could have happened to you, but what's that... What's that experience like um, as a player on, on you know, both the professional and personal level? Well, uh,
1: both trades were different. The one thing that was the same about them, both of them happened in the offseason, which I was thankful for that because
0: it's just tough when you get
1: traded during the year. Um, you know, you got your, your place where you're staying, you know, your family or whatnot. then You, you got to pick up and move and do all that stuff. So both of those were the same in that aspect. But my, the first time I got traded when I was with the White Sox, I was young. Married, um, it was just kind of like I wanted to go play wherever I could play. It seemed like Jermaine Die was always in front of me. They're like, "Hey, next year, Sweeney, you're going to be the, the right fielder," and then Jermaine Die would sign a three year contract. So it was one of those things where, um, like when Kenny Williams called me, he said, "Hey, this is going to be the best, um, you know, opportunity for you in your career," and I was thankful for him to be honest about that. And uh, so me and Gio Gonzalez went to. Um, Oakland for Nick Swisher when he came over to the White Sox for that one year. So um, that was the first trade. um, And then ultimately went and played four years in Oakland and had a great time and kind of established my career. Um, The second trade um, and going back, like if we know that's going to happen every year, like over the all-star break, it would be like, oh, Sweeney, you're getting traded here, you're getting traded here. And you just kind of got to play. You can't really, that's ultimately up to the team. And. To be honest with you, the first time I got traded, I think I knew before my agent did. (laughs) We were doing an agent client get-together in the off-season back when you could do that kind of thing. And, um, you know, he he didn't even know that I got traded. I'm like, hey, man, I just got traded to Oakland. He's like, oh, sweet. So that's going to be a good opportunity for you. So that was the first trade. And then the second trade, um, it was uh, Andrew Bailey and I went to um, Boston for Josh Reddick when Josh Reddick came over to Oakland. So. That one was a little bit more, um, I, I was personally, like, I was happy to go play for the Red Sox. Um, my wife being from California, um, she was honestly like crying because she was, you know, go on the road, she would go home back to her parents' house. And then, um, you know, I, and I would go on the road and she would go back there. Well, now we're moving across the country. We're going on the East coast. We're going to Boston. Um, so she was a little upset about that. So it's a, it's a little different when, um, you got the family involved and in stuff like that. But, um, ultimately, like I said, good that I got traded in the off season. So it was one of those things where I could kind of, uh, plan where I was going to stay. and with, you know, spring training being in, uh, Florida. Now I had, I had been in Arizona spring training since I was, you know, since Oh three. So then now in 2012 going to Florida, I'd never really been to Florida and Arizona spring training is way better than Florida spring training just from the standpoint of travel and driving around and things like that. So, um, but ultimately, I mean, you know, things happen for a reason and it was, uh, it was a fun opportunity and uh, a fun time being able to play for both, you know, Oakland and
0: Red Sox. So. Yeah, great. Shout out to all my friends in the Cactus League. That's uh, spent the last uh, four years there before moving here. So. Um, I agree. It is it is the better of the two uh, two spring training leagues. So, um, do you get to keep your jersey when you get traded? How does that work? Um,
1: well, I mean, I have all my jerseys. I think you can get them like at the end of the time, uh, or at the end of the year if you want to. If you want to, you know, keep one of them. I always just kept one of them. Uh, I can't remember if it was home or away. I think I kept the White Sox home and then the the A's. Away one or something like that to just kind of when I framed them just to kind of get different colors or whatever, but um, no, yeah, so I have all my jerseys. It was kind of one of those things where you just work out with the clubby, right, like, hey, can I get one of my jerseys at the end of the year? I want to keep it just kind of as a remembrance thing, and that was one thing, like I was never now looking back. I wish I probably would have got a few more guys, but like I was never one of those guys that wanted to uh. Asked dudes for their autograph, right? When I was playing. So there was a few guys that I did that like, you know, Frank Thomas and no Garcia Parra and a couple of those guys that I played with that I got signed bats from just to kind of remember, um, those times. But yeah, I do have all my jerseys and, um, we just, we ended up moving and building the house, a different house here. So I haven't got them hung up yet,
0: but, um, eventually that'll happen. <laughs> sure. Um, so this year, as of this recording, there are you know, six or seven no-hitters, depending on uh, whether you count uh, Mad Bum's uh, seven-inning uh, effort. Um, seems like that's kind of on the rise, but uh, going back, you were actually in the lineup for Dallas Braden's perfect game um, in Oakland. Um, perfect game uh, you know, has, has a little bit higher stakes than uh, a no-hitter. Obviously, both are, are really impressive, but uh, there, there's just been so many fewer perfect games throughout history. What is that like being on the field, uh, in the midst of a perfect game? When does it kind of occur to you? Um, how do you treat it? Do you, you know, uh, I know Dallas is an interesting cap, but do you talk to him during the game? Do you leave him alone? Um, and are you wishing the ball comes to you, or are you hoping it doesn't come anywhere near you once you get to the late innings? You no, know, you're wishing
1: that it comes to you, but it's just not like some crazy diving play you got to make. But like, yeah, like said, Dallas is a, Dallas is a different cat. Dallas is a good dude, and um, he he's one of those guys where he wouldn't. You know, some of those guys are like laser focused or whatever, and they don't talk to me. I gotta, you know, do this. But he he wasn't like that. But I just remember it because it was a really cool situation. It was on Mother's Day um you know his his mom passed away when he was younger so i think his grandma raised him and his grandma was there in the fan her in the stands and um we all knew that you know he had a no hitter perfect game um going into the last couple innings and um you know you you're just happy for a guy like that that can be able to accomplish that i think it was the 19th one in history i think or something like that for for no hitters wise but Um, To be a part of that game and kind of share that special um, thing with him. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, like, it uh, when we all went in and after the game and when his uh, grandma came out and stuff, like, you know, it kind of brought a tear to your eye, really, um, just to see him accomplish that and know all the stuff that he went through um, with his mom and to do that on that special day, like, um, I say, you know, things happen for a reason. And it, obviously that was a cool moment for him. Like I say, like his mom may be looking down or something, you know, and, and, uh, having him have that special day on mother's day. So it was a really cool, um, experience and something that I'll never forget. He got us all like, um, you know, these different, uh, things with our names and perfect game and Dallas Braden and stuff that I still have in my office today that, um, it, it was cool to be able to remember that and something that, you know, we'll be able to share with him and he always gets recognized and noticed for it too. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, a so can of corn out to right field, not like a, a yep. sinking line yep. or anything like that. Okay, perfect. That's good to know. I mean, don't problem. Um, I'll make the play, but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you want it to be more. So I feel like even when it is just a, a no hitter, which was just a no hitter, but um, there's always Uh, some, it seems like some sort of like crazy, miraculous, couple good plays. I can't really think of any um, one in particular in that game, but um, I remember him just getting a lot of ground balls off of Tampa Bay and stuff like that. But yeah, you, you want the ball hit to you, but you're definitely, you don't want to be the guy to mess it up. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Let's let's, uh, bring it kind of back to your time with the Cubs, Um, you know, with us being a Cubs affiliate here, we've been their affiliate since, you know, the early eighties. Um, a good relationship with them, but uh, you spent two years with the Cubs, or the better part of two years anyway, uh, 13 and 14. I was right about the time that they kind of, you know, the, the Theo uh, resurgence was was really starting to take momentum. Uh, what was that like, you know, being in Chicago at that time, you know, Rizzo comes up in 2012, um, you know, they end up signing John Lester, you know, could you see that coming, uh, that success, you know, obviously, Resulti, and then in the World Series, you know, championship in, in 2016. Um, but could you see that coming? Were there, was there confidence in the clubhouse? And, and what was that experience like? Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: you could definitely see the, the upcoming of, and I think, you know, Baez and and those guys who were just coming up the year after that as well. So, um, you know, and Rizzo coming over and, and being the type of player was, that, that was the year. And 13 was when they signed him to his long-term deal or whatever. And I just came over and, you know, and then signing Lester and, and, and all those guys, you could see that, look, Theo obviously is, is Theo for a reason. He had, he has a game plan and he, he did it with the Red Sox and he came over and he did it with the the Cubs in 16. But, um, you know, ultimately uh, I think as fans and as players, you, you see guys and you see teams and, and, uh, you know, you see the way uh, ultimately the guys have to play together, right? Ultimately, you got to you gotta win the game together and you got to um, make it to the playoffs. And it's all about like, – people ask me every year, like, who's going to win this year? Who's going to win this year? and I'm, It's all about who gets hot at the right time, right? I mean, uh, you look at the the Dodgers and just because they spend a bunch of money doesn't mean that they're going to come out and win the World Series every year. I know they won last year, but that was the first year and, you know, in the last five years that they put together these crazy teams that they, yeah, they make it to the playoffs every year, but to win a world series. And I can't speak personally from experience because I never made a deep playoff run um, with any team. Um, But yeah, you could definitely tell that these guys were going to be something special. And then, uh, you know, Theo being, being Theo kind of making the changes of bringing um, Joe Madden over um and the way that he coaches and the way that he keeps it loose and the way that he, you know, has the respect of the, the players and stuff. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I like Rick Renteria. I thought he was a great guy, um, too. But um, just bringing Joe Madden over uh, in that baseball mind was kind of, you know, one of the important things I think that they did to kind of solidify the next step in becoming a, a playoff team. And you see that they've kind of just, they got that mentality. They got that taste of that playoff. And now every year that's the bad thing is now every year is, it's expected of you or, you know, as a fan, you want to see the, the Cubs and as a player, you want to go to the playoffs every single year. So um, you could definitely see that, that that was in the making. Um, no one ever knows if it's going to actually come to fruition, but it did. And, you know, it was, it was really cool being in the Chicago area and seeing the vibe around here and seeing that all happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And kind of bring that uh, full circle. Joe Madden was the manager of that uh, Rays team that uh, Dallas parading through the, the perfect game against. So uh, I think that made him get out of town, maybe. So. Um... All right. A couple of, uh, listeners submitted, uh, questions here for you, um, is a little bit more fun. Um, you may know who, who, uh, submitted these questions, but, uh, first question, do you still buy yourself uh, a watch every year? (laughs) Every year?
1: No, I would say I've kind of, now that I have kids and I got to spend the money on them, right? I don't, uh, I don't every year, but, um i'm i'm kind of a watch guy i like to to trade uh watches out every couple years and i have a guy that i go to in uh in arizona that i kind of go through and he sends me watches so um but i I don't get one every year um now i uh i spend all my money on
0: golf (laughs) (laughs) sure great um and then uh what was your walk-up song or if you had multiple walk-up songs Kind of what was your uh, your go-to, your favorite one throughout your career? You know,
1: so I always, I can't necessarily remember a single, like, song. I'm so bad, but, like, I, I listen to music, and I can, I'm weird. I can, if I hear a song one time, I can, I can re-sing the song, but I never know who sings it or what the name of the song was, right? So, um, but I always walked up to something to do, um, with hip hop just kind of get the the crowd into it especially in the minor leagues when um you know i just specifically remember birmingham alabama like when you come up and it was a bigger stadium and you know you'd have some hip hop songs on or uh, song on or whatever and there'd be guys on base and people get pumped up it kind of pumps you up as a player right so um i think that's what a lot of guys kind of do whatever is going to get them pumped up i listen to all different kinds of music uh rap rock um you know country whatever it is but as far as like walk-up songs it was it was more so on the hip-hop side
0: sure um i want to wrap it up kind of bring it back to your you know upbringing here in eastern iowa uh and uh we're hoping to open up a new uh listener demographic with that side of the state here with this episode so uh, hopefully we can uh, grow these numbers a little bit but um uh you know coming up uh you played multiple sports um i know you played basketball as well um, but did you kind of, you know, see this coming? Um, you know, I know obviously it was a goal of yours, you know, growing up and stuff like that, but, uh, did you see this, this professional career coming? What kind of led to that? Um, you know, what was your development like coming up and, and what advice would you have for, for kids that are kind of growing up in, in that area and, and this area, you know, smaller state, um, what they can do to kind of, um, you know, maximize that potential. Yeah. I mean,
1: ultimately I, I, I don't know if I'm a different breed, but like I started playing, and my parents didn't. My dad didn't play baseball. He was played football and 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 wrestled in college and ran track, I think. But um, ever since I was two years old, I mean, I I can't. I wanted to play baseball, right? My parents had to force me, not force me, but when I was ten or eleven years old, was the first time I started playing like basketball or competitively playing basketball for. Um, a travel team, but I always played baseball. I mean I was playing on the uh, nine year old Reds when I was like seven years old um back in Cedar Rapids, so I was always playing up like trying to push myself like when I was twelve years old, playing on the the high school um, you know travel uh, stuff for perfect game and things like that so ultimately that's all I ever wanted to do was play baseball and i and I felt like if I could keep excelling and keep getting better um that, you know, I, that could be a reality. And I, like I said earlier in the show, um, you know, I was I was I felt like I was always considered Ryan Sweeney, the pitcher, right? Like I never really equated myself to being. I played center field when I didn't pitch. So I was a left handed. I was a left handed pitcher. So I always thought that that was going to be um, you know, what I was going to be in the big leagues or in college or whatever, um, moving up to the next level. But um so it was definitely interesting when I started hitting better my sophomore and junior, junior year, and I think people kind of noticed that and just saw a tall, lengthy outfielder with a strong arm. You know, maybe we can draft him as an outfielder. So I don't know. It, it, it was an interesting situation for me um, thinking that I was going to be a, a pitcher my whole career and then get drafted as an outfielder. But as far as for young young kids, I mean, and, and I tell my son now after, like, going through it, like, um
0: one one you
1: got to get work hard and get the right instruction right but two just like have fun dude like um i i think once you make it to that next level it still is fun but it's more of a job now you know i always felt like um i always felt like my brother was going to be actually a better player than i was just because he got drafted in the second round by the blue jays but i always felt like he was going to be a better player than i was just because he had that like I don't care mentality, like just, and I was on the total en- different end of the spectrum. I was always hard on myself, Um, always wanted to get better. Um, You know, if I was hitting, you know, three hundred, I wanted to hit three thirty. I was never like satisfied with with what I was doing, which is good, but uh, it can be a downfall too because you're always hard on yourself. But like I said, I always thought my brother was going to be better than me just because he had that like I don't care whatever. Well, then once he got drafted too you know, it it becomes a job now. Right. But it's still fun. You're playing baseball for a living. Um, but ultimately like any other job, like if you don't do well, you're going to get fired or you're going to get released or whatever. So, but for a young, young kid, man, just like have fun. Like I said, get the right instruction. Um, it's just one of those things where, if I feel like now, and especially living out in Neighborville, kids um, get involved in different sports. You don't have to like pigeonhole yourself into one sport, like develop yourself in all different sports. And then if you do see yourself really excelling or really liking one sport, then stick with it. You know, like right now I have my son, you know, he likes soccer and basketball, he's getting into baseball now but he likes soccer and basketball more because he's just it's, it's quicker pace you know you're not standing around like you're doing baseball out in the field so he enjoys that better he's starting to get into baseball but just one of those things where I said um, I'm not going to say hey you need to play baseball um, I'm going to let you play all different sports and whatever one you ultimately like I mean it's tough to make it to the big leagues. I mean, I know there's all those numbers and statistics and stuff out there of what percentage actually get drafted and then make it to the big leagues. So it's not something that's super duper easy. So, um, you know, like I said, you just got to have the right people around you and uh, you know, get into different leagues that you can feel like that you can do well in. And and, uh, if you're in Cedar Rapids, you're probably going to have to, or in Iowa, you're going to probably have to, if you take it to that next level, people will come see you if you're good, but you're going to have to go to, you know, California, Florida, different warmer states where you're not playing baseball in the summertime, you know, for a high school baseball, where you're going to play on different travel teams and stuff that you've seen.
0: So sure. Yeah, that's good advice. So. All right, well, uh, that's all I have for you today. I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, it was really fun to hear your perspective. Uh, you obviously have a, a very unique perspective as, a, you know, both a professional ball player, but then especially being, you know, an Iowa native. So it's, it's great to see, you know, kind of one of us, um, you know, making it big. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for you on uh, Marquis Sportsnet all season long. And, um, yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Anytime. I'll come back on the show anytime.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Unwritten Rules in Iowa Cubs podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Episodes come out every Tuesday morning. Be on the lookout for Ryan Sweeney on the Marquee Sports Network all season long. Thank you for listening.